by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Hi folks, it's Abby here. And this time, N17 Women is back with a special episode for you, a little Spurs-centric World Cup preview. I am also here with Rachel, Caroline, and Sean. How are you guys? Really good. I've been dying to talk about the World Cup, so really excited for this episode. Uh, I'm uh, recovering a little from illness at the moment, so uh, I will do my best to join in. It's not going to be my uh, most um, useful episode, um, the world <laughs> talk about the World Cup, but I'll do my best to join in. And we've got a little bit of news to chat about before that as well. So mostly looking forward to hearing you, your guys' opinions on on everything and finding out what we're expecting from this World Cup. Yeah, I love an international tournament, so I'm pretty excited about it. Although not looking forward to the times of day we're going to have to be up to watch the games. Yeah, I saw something about a 1am game and I was like, between this and the Tour de France, I'm just like never going to sleep again. I'm going to be waking up early. I'm going to be staying up late. It's going to be it's going to be a fun time. I'm going to have to sleep in the middle of the day and just not work. So yeah, first, let's start off with some news uh, before we get into World Cup stuff. Since the last time we spoke to you, we heard that Lena Gunning-Williams has signed her first professional contract with the club. She's featured in some of our cup games uh, and she's appeared on the bench a few times. How are y'all feeling about that? That's great, isn't it? She just seems really enthusiastic. The fact that she scored on her debut is such a great omen for things to come. Yeah. And I also, in the interview she did, she was really clear that she felt that she still had a lot to learn. And I like that. I like the fact that she was excited to train with the first team and all those things. So yeah, really happy about it. Yeah, it seems like a good time for her as well. She's finished her A-levels, so she can now focus fully on football. Um, and so it's a great time to do that. And, I mean, encouragingly as well, it's a continuation of a few players that we've had over the last few seasons who have come through our academy and signed professional contracts. So far, um, none of them are, uh, have gone on to make a serious impact for the first team, but they have all played for the first team and then and continued their professional careers so hopefully Lena can be the next step in that and yeah I mean she seems really enthusiastic and um another sort of spurs through and through kind of player which we all love to see yeah she's always struck me as a really mature young kid and I loved that she cited getting to work with Beth England as you know one of the positives of her spurs experience um obviously that's a player she can learn a lot from and I I think we'll see good things from her, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm just uh, still in love with her first goal, the way she attacked that ball with her head. It, I just, you know, just a split second of time that I thought showed so much promise. It makes me feel like pretty all right about the way our academy is going, actually, because I know that last year, Izzy Lane was really tearing it up at um, Delaware. And I'm hoping to see her do that again this season because I have this little pipe dream that like, Izzy becomes a superstar and then we continue on our upward trajectory and then she comes back to us in the end. Um, But yeah, between those two, it seems like something's going right over there. So um, we also just this morning, so this is the last minute addition to the schedule, the running order here. I have not even had time to actually look at the schedule, but the schedule is out. Uh, We have our fixtures list for the upcoming season. Our first one is October 1st against Chelsea. 
Uh, so yeah, let's start with that one. What, what, what do you think of that as our opener? Well, it's a replay of our first ever WSL match, exactly that same fixture opening day at Stamford Bridge, and we only lost by one goal. Uh, we know that Chelsea struggle on the first day of the season and have done for a number of seasons now. So if we're gonna, we have to play them. We might as well have to play them on the first day of the season. I mean, it's going to be all new stuff for everybody. We, for you know, um, we don't yet know kind of the the what our team's going to look like under a new manager and with potential new signings. So it's going to be exciting. Um, and you know, as I say, we have to play them at some point. Let's get it out of the way. Yeah, I think thinking of it as a warm-up game is fine. Uh, <laughs> and then it gives us scope to concentrate on the sort of six games that come after that when we're playing more of the sort of lower mid-table teams and where we really need to get results. So I think, yeah, not worrying too much about that game. It's not going to be the most fun. Don't love going to Stamford Bridge, but hey, it's one game. And like I say, what's most important is the games that follow. I was really disheartened to see that this was our first fixture. And I know many people have reminded me that Chelsea tend to have poor results on the first day of the season, and that's great. However, their transfer business has just been ridiculous. I know the last one I saw, they just picked up me official um, from Liga Emekis. So that's a great yeah. pickup. I it's it's wonderful. Damn. I mean, all of their <laughs> transfers have been really strong, and that's I mean that's the luxury they have, I suppose. But on the one positive side having such a difficult game to start the season, I feel like will really help us, you know, get up to that, you know, kind of level of competition quickly. And hopefully we'll, you know, be a good thing going into some of the games that are a little more attainable results wise. Yeah, it's funny, right? Because I I remember when we were doing our, our preview last year, I was like shitting myself about playing United in the first game coming off of the Euro um, but I actually don't feel that way about this game. I think that that one, that case was the exception. I usually don't mind playing the tough teams on the first day. Like I know we had City on the first day for Spurs men a few years ago. And I remember just being like, yeah, this game like barely even counts. Like you have, you, you don't know what, there's no expectations riding on it. You can, you just like, just go, man. So I, I actually legitimately have not looked at the rest of the schedule yet. So maybe you guys can tell me if there's anything else notable about it. Well, second second game is uh, our first home game, which is the only home game in the opening month, and that's Bristol. So returning to the Super League. So that's going to be an interesting one. Of course, now managed by our ex-assistant manager. So that's going to be an interesting one, I think, to see, see where they're, they're at. And then, as Rachel says, I mean, the next the kind of run-up, I mean, I, it's, uh, we've got Brighton next. And again, some of their transfers so far have been um, pretty impressive. So I don't think we're going to get the result that we got against them last season. Uh, then we've got Aston Villa, who are um, just, you know, Aston Villa at the moment. Then we've got Everton at home, which is, again, who knows what kind of Everton team are going to turn up this season. They've, they've been so inconsistent the last couple of seasons. And then Liverpool, um at home, which again, Liverpool were building last season and looking a lot better. So um, I would expect them to be a, a tougher challenge, even <laughs> saying tougher challenge. We lost to them, obviously, a second half of the season. So it's not an easy run. And then after that, Leicester away and Man City away. So two, I mean, Leicester, hopefully we should get something, but they've now got their goalkeeper um, permanently. They're starting to pick up some players as well. And Manchester City, well, we know a Manchester City away. So I, I, you know, I think that's quite a tricky um, 
running for us to start off with. But then I don't, I don't know that there's going to be any easy games this season. It's difficult to tell when looking at you know the teams that we that were easier to beat last season, like Leicester and and Brighton have really picked up towards the end of last season and have got some good signings already in this transfer window. So um, one notable thing though is that um, if you're a Spurs men's and women's fan and you live in Liverpool. Both weekends, you've got double headers coming up because when we play Liverpool, when we've got in February, we've got a double header. Um, the men play Everton away and the women play Liverpool away. And then um, uh, a little bit later on, I think um, we've got the opposite way around. So if you're in Liverpool, lots of double headers um, of Spurs games, uh, which is an interesting one. But yeah, um, I just I just don't know what to expect this season I, um, until we've kind of seen a bit more from Spurs in the transfer market and hopefully in pre-season. It's, it, I just feel like it's a really unknown this season. Yeah, I think that's why I was saying that. I mean, it's not that there are teams that are easy or that we can expect to be. It's just that we generally don't expect to be at the top four. And we basically have them clustered at the start and the end of that, I guess, pre-Christmas period. So you have Chelsea on the first day and then you have Man City, Man United and Arsenal just before Christmas. And then in the middle, you have six games against teams who are not the top four. So it's not that they're beatable easily, but if we're going to get points out of the period before Christmas, you'd want to be getting 12. I'm, I'm aiming for 12 points out of those games and we would feel comfortable. If we're like this season, if you think about it, we had nine points by Christmas and then we self-destructed and didn't get another point for a very long time. So just to feel like we're ahead of that, I feel like, and it's doable, but that's the pl- that's the point where we're going to do it because we're not going to get anything in those last two games, probably, unless we have a very, very lucky, you know, or we've improved a lot and Arsenal have deteriorated, which I would love to see. The one thing that I think is a little reassuring about our fixture schedule this season is that there are a few times when we have difficult opponents back to back but some of them are not literally back to back like there's either a cup weekend or international break in between them so I don't feel like the strain is going to be horrible but of course this depends on postponements possibly happening we know how much that affected our season last year with kind of not being able to pick up any momentum or what little momentum we had was kind of just cut short um, by some of those unfortunate Um, movements in the schedule so it's you know kind of tbd how much that's actually going to affect things but yeah i think a lot of the teams that were kind of around us in the relegation race have been pretty smart with their transfer business so we we've got to be vigilant basically um and you know the difficult teams have not gotten any easier really so it's i think it's going to be a competitive season and a fun season from a fan perspective um, but a lot of it is going to rest on, you know, if we actually get some, some more transfers in pretty soon, I'm getting a little antsy about it. Yeah. Well, unfortunately we haven't had any more news about that yet, but we have had a little bit more, um, a little sprinkle of a Spurs related rumor, which is that Rianne Skinner, uh, sounds like it's going to be taking over from Koncheski at West Ham. And I, I saw that and I was like, fine. <laughs> Seems fine. I don't know about y'all. What did you think? I mean, I wish her well and I hope she does terribly. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, They are quite a, you know, last season we talked about how they were sort of overshooting their XG, which is what Rianne managed to do with us two seasons ago. Um, 
I don't know. They they have some solid players. I can imagine them playing a bit like Rian set us up, so quite defensively solid. I mean, obviously not how we were playing last season, but in the season before. Yeah, I'm not yeah, not super upset about it. Well, honestly, I think this is gonna be a big challenge for Rian because like Rachel just alluded to, West Ham have also been kind of underperforming relative to their talent level of their squad. So I think this this could be like a make or break appointment for her um, if, she, if she kind of gets into the same situation uh, that she was in with Spurs towards the end. But, you know, I, I think West Ham is one of the teams I just like the most on the women's side. So I can't exactly wish her success, but I don't wish her failure. <laughs> Well, I'm kind of worried for Rianne, really, because all the all the feelers that I'm getting is that West Ham fans are not happy with how their club's investing in the team and that they don't don't feel that the board is really as behind the women's team as they have been in the past. Um, and I think a lot of them felt that Konchesky wasn't doing a bad job. It was just he wasn't getting the support that he needed. So I think from a Rianne perspective, uh, I... I you know, I, I worry that she's going to be walking into an even worse situation than she had been at Spurs. Um, and with without the kind of, it seems without, and, and she's still very new to club management, without the wherewithal to get yourself out of a hole without any resource. I don't know how well she that's that's going to go for. Her. I mean, obviously, I have nothing against Rianne, and um, uh, I, I feel that she was unlucky to be let go at Spurs when she was because of the situation. But equally, you know, yeah, I, I have some, I have some um, West Ham supporting um, friends who I, who I like very much, but I don't um, have a great deal of time for West Ham as a team, and I do quite enjoy um, to see them struggling as, as much as we were last season, really. And um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a tough one for Rihanna if she does take it on. Yeah. I know it's so interesting. I like actually would have guessed if you told me that I was going to hear this news like a month ago, I would have thought I would have been really upset. Um, it's been an interesting witness test. I feel like I've learned that I have a lot less affection remaining for Rian um, than I used to. A lot of people are making the analogy to um, Pochettino, obviously, on in terms of how we feel about him going to Chelsea. But I think the difference was for Pochettino, most of us would be very happy to have had him back. And so it felt different. Whereas I think at the moment, even if we liked Rianne and felt like she was hard done by in some ways, I don't think any of us want her back managing the team at the moment. Um, And so there's a, so yeah, it feels different. I think there was also, at least for me, there was an extent to which Pochettino really like embodied the club ethos for a while. And like we achieved like sort of like the ideal or close to the ideal state of what you would want Spurs to be like dream big, uh, be adventurous, like taking risks and all that. And Rianne kind of had the opposite trajectory. Whereas by the end, it was like, I don't even know what I like, what are we're supposed to be playing like anymore. Um, and, and for that reason, I, I just like, you know, it was obviously a lot less time for me, it's just totally different. I'm not upset to see her at, at West Ham at all. I don't begrudge her that. And I don't, I like some, I think Caroline said this earlier. I don't want to see her succeed and I don't want to see her fail. I just feel very neutral. <laughs> yeah. So with that, let's get into the World Cup. Um, we'll start with 
probably the most topical player because, um, and I missed this bit during the news segment, because we've just renewed her contract. And I feel like we've already taken up enough airtime talking about Roz and how we feel about seeing her on the pitch next season. So we'll leave that aside for now and just talk about the fact that she's going to be featuring for Morocco. So first question for you guys, how many penalties do y'all think Roz will score for Morocco in this World Cup? Well, I mean, as many as she gets, probably. She does seem to uh, to score the penalties. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think she's pent I mean, she how, how dirty are the other teams, do you think? They have, they have got um, some interesting teams in that group. So, I mean, it's going to be a really interesting group for, from the perspective of lack of um, experience in, in two teams and a great deal of experience in another couple. So, um, yeah. She'll get. She'll score the penalties she gets because that's what she does. But any any more, I think she'll she'll maybe against Korea she'll have some time and space on the ball to do other things. Yeah. Jokes aside, though, how do you guys all think she'll do in general in that in that group? It's funny because I've been listening to sort of preview pods and I just I have to quote this because it just made me laugh so much. It was on the Table Soccer Show when they were previewing it and they said about Roz. She's silky on the ball, Dimitar Berbatov sort of silky, really magnetic first touch, lots of little touches to evade a defender, good finisher from tight angles. And I just thought, that's a version of her. And then I listened to Counterpress and Jesse on that just laughed about Roz being talked about in these kinds of ways by previews. And it was definitely something about people who've seen her play more often and what we expect of her. But I think also if you're looking at Morocco, one of the things that really struck me as I look back at their games and out of the last 11 games, Morocco have failed to score in all but two. So Morocco do not score goals. The only two games in which they scored any goals were against Slovakia and against Bosnia-Herzegovina, and they won both of those. But all of the, and they don't always lose. There's often nil-nil draws, you know, and they got through AFCON with lots of sort of, you know, they actually penalty shootouts and nil-nil draws and things like that. And so I think it's, I think that given Ros's position on the pitch and their inability to score, that she isn't going to be getting a lot of goals. Maybe an assist. We know she's become the assist maestro, so maybe that. Yeah, I I was going to say, it's funny that quote that you were mentioning from the Total Soccer Show, I think you said it was, I feel like that completely contradicts what her actual strengths are. Um, Cause I think towards the end of this past Spurs season, it felt like she was a lot more effective as a facilitator rather than the one, you know, scoring, which we know for Spurs, she has not scored a lot of goals. Her efficiency rate for Morocco is, is better. Um, but kind of, you know, like I alluded to, she just doesn't have, I think the support around her to really be, getting a lot of chances because um, at least to my my knowledge she plays as a striker primarily for Morocco um, so she she is a little more reliant on you know someone giving her the service in that role and it's just not really happening so but I don't know I think I think she's like somewhat of a leader on her team and she seems to really be enjoying that and I can only hope that she does well. I don't think they're going to get out of their group, but hopefully she can at least get a goal and, you know, have some good memories to take back. 
Well, I think we've spoken about before, haven't we, that that she plays her best when she's got space and against the teams that Morocco often play against, she gets the space and she can look a bit more impressive. But when you're playing Germany, you're not going to get that space. Um, when you're playing Colombia, even, you're not going to get that space. So um, it's, it's, I mean, it's not an easy group, is it, to get out of? I don't, I don't see Morocco um, getting out of that group. Uh, and hopefully, you know, it'll just be, a, it'll be a fun experience. I mean, let's face it, Morocco are going for the experience as much as I think their first ever World Cup finals. So it's going to be a great experience for Ros, no matter what. She clearly looked very happy to see Becky when she was reunited with her recently. So um, hopefully she'll go out there and have some fun, not get injured and come back ready to um, do some more running down the wing for us. Yeah, yeah. and should yeah. by some miracle they both Jamaica and Morocco get out of their groups. They would play. They could play each other in the next round. So that would be really funny. But yeah, I, I should just say I was being very negative about Morocco's chances. I, it is amazing that Morocco are here. They are like way ahead of schedule in terms of the investment they're putting in. And yeah, Roz does look like a leader on that team in a way that she doesn't at Spurs. So there are some positives. I just don't think they're going to score a lot of goals. Yeah, but the vibes are the vibes are great around that that squad right now. Like we saw that with their um their cup semifinal or their cup final run. And I wonder whether like I almost think it's maybe to Roz's detriment that she has to be a leader for Morocco. And this goes back to I also listened to at least the segment about Roz on um Jesse's pod and something they were talking about on that with like um Roz has looked better since Beth England came into the team. And I'm wondering if it's like Beth England makes space for other people and Roz thrives in space. And of course, like having more leaders on the pitch around her is only going to benefit her. So yeah, should be interesting. Not sure we're going to learn much new though, and we'll see her next season. So next up, I wanted to talk about our new signing, Luana Bueller. Uh, we were just saying on our last pod that we don't really know much about her or about Switzerland. Um, so yeah, maybe we can answer a few of those questions now. I know, Rachel, you were doing a little digging into this earlier. Do we expect to see her playing very much in this tournament? Yes, is the answer. She seems to have started almost all of uh, the games that Switzerland have played since the Euros. She started two of the three in the Euros and she is rarely substituted. So I think we're going to get to see a lot of her. And I have to say, it's like the most excited I've been about seeing a Swiss centre-back ever because I don't think Switzerland is usually the team I'm most excited to watch and centre-back's not usually the position I focus on. So, yeah, all changed. What exactly are you guys going to be watching her for? I think I'm mostly going to be looking to see just how comfortable she is on the ball because we don't necessarily have a defender right now who is really comfortable being in possession. And I feel like that's kind of the way, you know, Ryan especially wanted us to play, but we didn't always have the capacity for that. So that'll be interesting. And also set piece defense, (laughs) you know, at some point we've got to get in a defender who can clear some of those balls. So that's what I'll be looking for. Well, I mean, from some extent, you know, Switzerland had a disastrous campaign in the Euros. Um, and are now looking to bounce back. So Spurs had a disastrous season last season and are looking to bounce back this season. So, you know, there's a, a comparison there as well. Um, of course, it's going to be interesting because she will come up against Rhea Percival. So 
that will be um, an interesting game to watch and, and, and see how those two play against each other. Well, you guys know I love a, a comeback kid. Um, anything else to add on? Yeah, I, I, was, I guess I was just going to say that it's, it is, you know, I don't think any of the teams in that group are massively strong. It's probably the weakest group. And so it will be interesting. And there's a good, it's, there's a good chance that one of her or Rhea will get into the knockout round from that group just because it's um, New Zealand who are the lowest ranked, uh, but they, as the hosts, are there. Norway, who are even more trying to have a comeback from the Euros, Philippines and Switzerland. So it's, yeah. I have them getting out of the group in my bracket, but not advancing past the round of 16. So I think that's going to be about their level. Well, but Philippines could be a could be a dark horse. They are again punching above their weight at the moment after um, bringing in an Australian coach with a dodgy history, but who seems to be a very good coach. So it's a really open group, isn't it? That one with lots of teams not achieving what they should be, and and the Philippines really achieving more than they should be. Can I interject here to say that there is a pretty interesting podcast series? Um, that Megan Reyes is doing. It's called Between Two Worlds. And it's all about her kind of heritage as a Filipino American and also kind of the growth of the Philippine women's national team. So that's pretty interesting if y'all are looking for more info on that team that really, you know, has come out of nowhere essentially. Yeah, it should be super fascinating to watch that one. So um this next one is somewhat of an interesting situation. Um Shalina, who is, as far as we know, still technically our club captain, kind of dropped off the face of the earth before our last two games. Her contract is up, and we haven't heard anything from the club confirming or denying whether they're renewing her or letting her go. She's had a really tough year on a personal front with a long spell out due to serious illness, culminating in, among other things, her diagnosis of celiac disease. There's also that other matter, which, as factually as I can possibly state it, um, she and Rosella have unfollowed each other on Instagram and deleted all their posts together. Uh, but onto the World Cup matter and all that aside, Shalina hasn't historically started a ton for Canada, and it's unclear how much she'll see the pitch in these games, given you know her lack of playing time this spring. But Canada only have three traditional center backs in the squad, though they have some other versatile players who can do a job there. And of course, um, Kadisha Buchanan and Vanessa Gilles are both going to be there. So would you guys say it's fair to expect to see Shalina coming on as a deputy for those two? Yeah, I think that's what I would expect because at least in the last few tournaments, she's been more of a, you know, super sub or playing in the games against the teams that I think they're expecting to beat more. Um, But I feel like she gets to a new level when she's playing with Canada. Like she's very spirited with us, but she is intense when she is in that back line for Canada. So I, I'm excited to see her just playing again because, you know, she, she was out for a good portion of our season and Canada, I think has a pretty decent chance in this tournament. So it'll be interesting to watch her progression. Uh, I think playing 90 minutes at your max heart rate is anything to go by. She clearly feels a ton of passion and commitment to Canada yeah, I think that how much playing time she gets may depend on how far Canada go in the tournament because they're unlikely to be changing their centre-backs in the group unless 
they're easily already winning it and they want to rest rest people so if we think she's not the starting centre-back she may not get on until sort of later on in the tournament and you know there's a chance that if she gets if Canada go through in second place and England goes through in first place or vice versa that she then gets to Mark Beffing and that's in the universe where England gets to play which we'll get into later but um I mean it's not an easy group is it <laughs> I mean that one's the group you didn't want to land in um I, th- I think it's going to be a tough uh tough to get out of that group obviously Canada probably should get out of that group um with their with their history but it's not going to be easy when you've got Australia as hosts in that group and Nigeria in there as well with, with the Republic of Ireland who probably are the, the weakest team in that group but we know have uh, you know have some fight about them as well so I think it's going to be an interesting one and there's not going to be like I mean like Rachel says in terms of playing time in the group stage there's not going to be an easy game in that group where you expect them to kind of be taking the foot off the pen a little. Yeah, and like Canada is normally a team we would expect to see do well, but I think they're also still reeling a little bit from um, the ongoing conflict they've had with their federation over the course of the last year. And I don't, I think that must take a huge mental toll on on the players um, and the vibes as well. So that's another thing to be aware of there. Um, And speaking of, players who are having conflict with their federation uh let's switch over to talking about two of ours um drew spence and becky spencer who are going to be probably appearing quite a bit for jamaica um becky is usually their starting keeper we usually see drew quite a bit in midfield one of a couple interesting players for that squad um they are however um having to resort to things like, you know, a GoFundMe to have money for staying in decent hotels during the tournament because their federation isn't quite supporting them in the way we want. So how are we feeling about Becky and Drew for Jamaica? Well, I'm excited just because I've enjoyed watching them in the recent CONCACAF tournaments. And I think this is really where we've seen Becky in her best form over the past year is when she's playing with Jamaica. I guess that's becoming a trend um, in this preview. Um, But anyway, I think Drew also has a really good partnership with Bunny Shaw. So they're always pretty exciting to watch. And I mean, they're in a a very tough group. It's it's hard to see them getting out over Brazil and France. Um, I think I think Panama, they they should have some, you know, a decent chance of beating. But yeah, it's it's sad all the stuff going on with their federation. And honestly, we could probably more easily go through this preview talking about which teams don't have an issue with their federation. And that's just a sad truth about where the women's game still is um, underfunded, undersupported, you know, not just at club level, but international level, too. So I, I hate that they're having to deal with this. Yeah, but like you say, they're not alone, are they? And it- after all the excitement of the Euros and and all of that kind of thing, it's it does ha- hammer at home how far we still have to come with all of these things and um, so many nations across the world and even even England are you know still in dialogue with the FA, although that's on pause for the moment. So um, yeah, it, it's not a good situation for us to be in. We'd hope to be in a better place, but I think from a Jamaican point of view, from a player perspective, I would hope. Similarly to Morocco, they're going to be there thinking about enjoying this stage and and 
being in this tournament, getting some points off Panama, hopefully, and testing themselves against a couple of, of really good sides in France and Brazil. Um, I, I can't imagine that beyond the um, the usual kind of uh, sporting um, desire, they really think they're going to get out of that group. Um, but yeah, it'd be fun to see them play and and for them to have that experience, which, like I say, you know, new 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 teams always make a a tournament interesting. I think that the fact that they didn't score any points and they also didn't get any goals in the last World Cup gives them some easy targets to aim to beat, I guess, this time round. And Panama looked pretty bad. So I think they should be able to beat Panama relatively handily and score. And maybe that game will give them some confidence for, you know, their final game against Brazil. If they're lucky, I mean, I don't think this is happening, but you just need to have, you know, Brazil or France screwing up a little bit in some ways and Jamaica, you know, defending deep and getting a bunny shore header. And next thing you know, they go through. So I think there's a little more outside chance, but it's pretty unlikely. I mean, what, what are you talking about? We're we're going to get uh, Drew Spence halfway on a banger, so... <laughs> That's true. Sorry. That and the and then the header is in the other game. That's right. That's right. That's right. I think that's that that sounds that sounds about right to me. I mean, you can't stop Bunny Shaw from scoring. So I like the sound of that. So next we'll move on to a player who we briefly mentioned earlier. Uh Rhea Percival was called up for New Zealand, which is maybe a bit of a surprise considering she hasn't really gotten more than just a few minutes for us off the bench. Um, but New Zealand kind of need all the help they can get right now. They lost 5 nothing to both the U.S. and Portugal earlier this spring, as well as 3 nothing to Nigeria. Um, so, yeah, what do you guys think we're going to see from Rhea? Well, you've got to remember that Rhea is, you know, the hero of the, the national side from New Zealand. She's more capped than any male or female player, uh, which is inc- incredible. And, you know, we were saying at the end of the season, you couldn't really tell she'd been off for a year the way she was playing for us. So obviously she has still got some some playability there. And, you know, she is always the same, isn't she? She fights for it. She's a fighter. She plays for the shirt, whether it's Spurs or, or New Zealand. She's going to play with her heart on her sleeve and, and be there for the game. So And and I think she's. it's interesting because she's co-captain, isn't she? Um, and it's always interesting with Spurs, we talk about captains and whilst Rhea is never actually the captain, she's often the one taking instructions from the manager and passing that on to the rest of the players. So I think she's not that kind of charismatic character, but she certainly is somebody who commands respects in terms of her knowledge of the game and her ability to, to pass instructions. So I think that's what you'll see from her for New Zealand, exactly what she does for Spurs and whether she plays 90 minutes or whether she, you know, she doesn't get as much time as that. She, her, her presence is going to be hugely important for New Zealand from that um, from that point of view of, of her as you know she's almost like a martyr status, isn't she? Um, if we're if we're looking at Brazil and other teams, yeah, it was really noticeable how much how newsworthy it was in New Zealand when she Rhea got injured because she is such a key player for the team and they've done pretty badly in her absence. Um, not they've lost quite a few games and so you know they're probably happy to have her back it's it's new hope isn't it it's about returning to some sort of form although I guess there was a couple of games I was just looking it's interesting New Zealand have played both the Philippines and Norway in the last year 
beating the Philippines and losing to Norway, but not by massive scorelines. So, you know, they must have a little bit of hope that the home advantage will do something for them. And I would love Rhea, you know, to be in the team when they win at least a game and ideally make it out of the group just because it would clearly mean so much and there's been less attention on New Zealand. But, I, you know, they, they are actually the lowest ranked team in the group. So... Uh, once again, I'm going to recommend another podcast. <laughs> um, I was listening to Snacks, which some of y'all may know is the podcast that Lynn Williams and, and Sam Mewis do together, which is always a good listen. But recently they were interviewing Allie Riley. Um, and I can't remember if this was before she and Rio were named co-captains. I think it might have been before. But she did talk about a little bit about Rhea. But also the thing that I thought was really interesting was that they've struggled as a national team to find ways to like bond (laughs) you know what I mean because a lot of their players are like in the states playing in call you know at the college level um and then otherwise it's kind of a a split between players who are in the a-league and players in the wsl so they don't and they don't always have training camps when other countries are because of like funding issues so they they literally don't have a lot of time together. So I think the fact that they have at least the home tournament is going to be something that kind of spurs them on um, to possibly overcome some of the like lack of technical cohesion that they might have. But I, I mean, I agree it's going to be a difficult tournament for them, but I'm excited to see Rhea because again, you know, just like Shalina, we didn't get to see a ton of her last season. And I've just missed watching her play. So I'm excited. Yeah, that's a great rec, Caroline. Thanks for that. Um, I am looking forward to it as well. I really missed Rhea on the pitch. So you guys know I had to save the best for last. And this is just going to be another opportunity for me to embarrass myself as an American. Again, probably talking about how happy I am that Beth England is in the England squad. Um, And yeah, so I'm going to be honest at this point. I... um, have kind of fallen headfirst down a cycling rabbit hole after I watched the Tour de France Netflix documentary. So I haven't been as tuned into the preparation for this World Cup as I might have been otherwise. Um, so maybe you all can tell me, um, how much are we expecting to see Beth England on the pitch for England? How are we feeling about all of that in general? I mean, if Serena gets replaced by a body double, we might see her on the pitch. <laughs> um, if Rachel Daly and Alicia Russo both get run over by a truck or lose their way somewhere in Australia. Um, we might see her on the pitch, but at the moment, it's not seem. I mean, I'm hoping that I'm exaggerating it, but we did, you know, she didn't appear in the friendly before they left against um, Portugal. And then she didn't appear in the friendly that was behind closed doors against Canada, despite there being rotating subs and every single other outfield player having some minutes on the pitch. There's, you know, some journalists have said, oh, well, it might be that she had worse jet lag. It was nearly a week after they landed. Maybe she had worse jet lag. She was certainly involved in training because there were lots of pictures of her training and talking about training. So maybe there was a real reason and it wasn't that for some reason Serena doesn't want to play her especially given that we've that England have still failed to score now in three games in a row and what we've seen is Alessia Russo especially not 
getting the kinds, you know, not play, not making chances, not converting. We know she's got a lower conversion rate than Beth England. So it feels like Beth England could be the answer to the problem that England are facing, and yet we aren't seeing her, which suggests that there's some reason why Serena doesn't think she fits. That said, like I, I, you know, I do not wish ill on Alessia Russo, although now that she's gone to Arsenal, I slightly wish ill on her. But, you know, a minor injury that took her out of the World Cup and perhaps like slowed down her introduction to the Arsenal team wouldn't be the end of the world. And potentially then Beth would get a little chance. Well, Beth, um, I don't know what the time scale was of, of the injury she was carrying, like for basically the entire second half of the season and playing through, right? But I don't know if it has something to do with that or not, or whether that's like far in the past. Um, what I really wanted to interject at this moment was that, you know, um, Serena, Serena is well known for being the inventor of super stuff, right? So we will hopefully, hopefully we see her um, in um, in some of those moments. But, but yeah, she always like, uses the same subs. Like she I was going to say, she's, yeah. You know, yeah, like last, very in the Euros, yeah, she used Toon, Russo and Kelly and then occasionally, um, yeah, a couple of others. But it was the same subs pretty much all the time. Well, I won't let that stop my chance at being shady. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I do, I do, I am curious what you guys think about um, um, if if she does feature, like, what parts of her game do you think would most help the England squad, other than the obvious of scoring goals? Well, I think at this point, that's quite a big thing to help the England squad, the way they can play. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I think, you know, we we've seen, haven't we, her, her her calmness and her composure, and I think in a big tournament that's gonna when there is gonna be more pressure on England this time round. Let's face it, the Euros. I don't think there was the same level of pressure. Susie Racks come out and said that she thinks England are, are the favourites to win the World Cup. Um, I don't think England fans are in the same place, um, uh, given the number of injuries that we've had and the the number of injuries that other teams had during the Euros, I think there's a little bit more scepticism around the fan base about the World Cup than Susie Rack is demonstrating. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, in a, and, you know, in a major tournament, that's kind of important. And, and she's spoken recently, I think, about her struggling when she was sent away to Liverpool on loan and having to come to terms with, you know, those feelings of, of not being wanted. So I think from that perspective, the advantage she's got is that she's used to dealing with those things. And I don't think that will affect how she plays. If she gets the opportunity, I still think she's going to come on and, and do a great job for England. And I, my only other theory, which you know, is that Serena just doesn't want to um, let the world know this great big secret that is Beth England um, and how she's going to use her. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we've all we've all said it. We all campaign for Beth to be going to the World Cup, and we all think she's uh, got lots to offer the, the England squad. Uh, if if Serena would just use her, yeah, I was hoping that was the reason behind it, but I fear it might not be. Just in terms of the very specific question from Abby about how she fit, England England rely a lot on their wingers, and so a lot of balls come either from Hemp or from Lauren James or from Chloe Kelly. And, you know, we know that Beth England is good at the end of a cross. And that isn't, hasn't, you know, Rachel Daly does that, but she's not, it's not hers as much as it is perhaps Beth England's. And it definitely isn't Alessia Russo's strongest points. And the other thing is we've seen in some of the warm-up games 
opportunities and this was especially when Lauren James was playing in the number 10 and she was past she was part playing through balls to Alicia Russo and who had a chance to go one-on-one with keepers and again Alicia Russo is great at lots of things but that is a place where I think Beth England would have been stronger because we've seen her get on those balls and that is where we've seen her score some really great goals for Spurs so those two types of goal is where I think she would most obviously be able to score yeah, I don't have anything to add to what they just said tactically, but I just hope she hasn't been brought to this World Cup as a glorified mascot because she deserves better. Yeah, 100%. So to round this out, I also want to give a quick shout out to a few players. Um, Kaya Simon, who um, and also Cho Sodian, who are no longer Spurs players, but will be appearing at the World Cup for Australia and South Korea, respectively. We also have a few international players whose teams won't be featuring in the World Cup, um, and that's Angarad, Evelina, and Nikki Karcheska. And then finally, uh, there's Celine Bizet, who featured for Norway at the Euro, but was not called up to the World Cup. Um, and I think that pretty much rounds out um, all of the players who are even tangentially involved for us. Uh, anything else to add before we move on to the quick fire section? I'll just say I was surprised that Celine did not get called up to the Norwegian squad. Um, I feel like that's that's a big missed opportunity for them and also for her own development. So just kind of a bummer to see that. But it looks like she took it well, like she's using it as fuel, you know, to to motivate her for the next club season. So that's good. I know. Right. The last thing that the world needs is an even angrier Celine Pizet. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, but yeah, it did. It was one of those moments where I was like, you know, you just kind of feel like maybe there is a conspiracy against Spurs because it was like she didn't even play for PSG and she got called up to the Euro and playing in the Euro. And it's like, I know that didn't go very well for them, but it wasn't really Celine's fault whatsoever. Like she would sub on after all of the damage was done. Um, so it's kind of like now that she has been playing and has been on this upward trajectory, it's like, why, why not call her up? Why, why not? Why didn't you do that? Um, yeah. Anyway, why don't we do some quick fire questions? So first things first, we'll start off with 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 the easy and obvious question: who's who's winning? Who's winning the World Cup? The USA, of course. I mean, you say easy and obvious. I'm not sure that it's ever been less easy and obvious, has it? In, well, it was in easy for me to come up with as a question. <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> That's that's fair. However, I could only have one answer, you know. <laughs> I mean, I think we've got so much progression in, in, uh, all over the world and also so much turbulence within the within all the teams at the moment that I I think genuinely it's uh, it's a it's, it's probably the most difficult answer that that question's ever been. Yeah, I'm I'm switching constantly. At the, today I'm feeling France just out of like I don't know why because I think at the Euros, they felt like the team that was the most, when they were in flow, the most in flow. And even though they didn't beat Germany, I don't know. I'm, I'm just swinging. A couple, if you'd asked me yesterday, I'd have said US and maybe England another day. It varies. You know it has to be USA for me as well. <laughs> uh, it's just the only time I'm patriotic, by the way. <laughs> I know, right? The the, the division down the national route there of the Americans just blindly 
following the patriotism and the English sitting there going, well, I don't know, it could be in any one of a number of people. But I also think that British patriotism is like you are duty bound to be like slightly downbeat about your national team or you're not a proper English person. That feels accurate. Yeah, see, mine has nothing to do with nationalism and everything to do with the fact that I um, one time I watched Sophia Smith play soccer. Um, so there's that. No, I'm just joking, you guys. No, but- yeah, one time is all it takes. Because yeah. I, I legitimately think she's going to be, if I was going to actually give you a real answer of why I think it's the US, it's one, Sophia Smith, two, most of our federation drama has been resolved, and three, I, I just think we have the best squad. So yep. I know it's wild. I think like, I remember I've been waiting for this moment ever since I saw Sophia Smith give an interview after like the, literally the NCAA uh, finals with Stanford, where she was giving like probably the most astute tactical answer about what they were doing that I've ever heard a player give. And I was like, she's like 22 or 21, even maybe at that time. And she's, she's just, every time I see her has expe- exceeded my expectations. I need to stop talking about this. I jumped like three questions ahead. I was just going to say about America, though, the real reason why America have a very good chance of winning is because the bracket is a totally messed up bracket in this World Cup, which it usually you end up potentially playing any team from anywhere. But because it's absolutely split in two, America's side of the bracket is just much easier. So You've got Spain and Japan and Norway, but that's like the real threat, Sweden. But I don't know if Sweden are going to be that strong. And then in the other bracket, you've got Germany and France and Canada and Australia and England and Brazil. And those teams play each other. And so only one of those teams can get into the final. And it's very likely that America gets into the final. So at that, you know, the only thing that's then an issue is like maybe they haven't had enough tough games going through or whatever. And really the only team that's likely to challenge them is whoever wins Group C, which is, you know, probably we can get onto for your other questions. But I think you have to just recognize the bracket is massively kind to America this time. Now, don't don't let this thing don't let this make anyone think I, I'm not nervous because I will say the USA squad is like a considerably weaker than it has been in previous years, I think. And Despite, I think Sophia Smith is just like a world beater. I think there's a lot of issues in the squad and I, I am much less confident than I have been in previous years to the extent where I'm like, Ooh, I don't know about this. Um, yeah, but I think that's a great point, Rachel. And on that note, I, uh, we'll get into our next question, which is which, which group are you most looking forward to watching? See. Absolutely. Like C is going to be so much fun because it's, um, I'm forgetting whoever it is. Yeah, it is. It's Costa Rica, Japan, Spain, and Zambia. Yeah. So at least three of those teams, I'm really looking forward to seeing. Costa Rica, not so much, but I know they've been okay. But like, I think they all play in interesting ways and there's just going to be a lot of goals or really interesting football so Japan has got quite a young squad they're always interesting to watch we've got Spain which yeah there's a lot of shit going on with them and so off the pitch I don't really want them to be winning but I love watching them and you know we get to see what how that fits together and Zambia who you know they are going to score some goals we just had that game against Germany where they beat Germany 3-2 that may not be something that they are able to keep doing but we know there's going to be goals so that group is going to be so fun and there's individual games in other groups I'm looking forward to but at least 
four games in that one, I guess I'm looking forward to. And looking at the groups, I, I feel like group B could potentially be one of the most competitive because I feel like there's not a huge gap in talent between the four of them. Cause I mean, Ireland, obviously it's their first time at the world cup, but they do have quite a few really great players. And I think they're definitely going to be competitive. And then you've got Nigeria who are like perennial, you know, world cup participants. So, and Australia and Canada, which we've already talked about, I feel like quite a bit. And the other one that I'm keeping my eye on is group H, which has Colombia, Germany, Morocco, and South Korea, just because I think that's going to be a really interesting mix of different playing styles. So just going to be interesting. And I think every game is going to be, have a very different feel to it in that group. I mean, I'm going to be honest and say I'm not going to be watching a huge amount of football outside of um, Spurs players and, and and England, but I think Group A is an interesting group for the reasons we've talked about in terms of teams who are, you know, either not living up to potential or massively overachieving and a home nation who have been slightly, I think, maligned in recent weeks with all the fo- focus on Australia and people kind of saying that Australia should have just done it by themselves and not included New Zealand and all that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, I, I think that was just going to be an interesting kind of side story, I think. Can I just yeah. do a quick can I just do a quick shout out for a game that I'm really excited about, which is France Brazil. I just think that is going to be such a fun game. So even though I think those two teams will dominate that group, that game will be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, so on a similar note, I want you all to pick for me a surprise team to not make it through to the knockouts. So I've got Denmark for this one. Uh I was shocked to learn that this is Pernilla Harder's first World Cup. That feels crazy. What? Yeah, for real. Um, but I think she's kind of carrying her team. You know, that there's a lot of pressure on her. I mean, it's not that there aren't other names that I'm familiar with, but certainly, you know, compared to some of the other teams in the tournament, I think there's not as much there. So I, I think they could possibly lose out. But maybe it's less of a surprise because they're not ranked that much higher than China. So they could definitely lose out. But then China's also perhaps also not at the strength it has been. I don't know. Yeah. Surprise teams not to go through. I mean, I think at this point with the injuries that Sweden are facing, that they could, you know, that could be an interesting one as well. They've lost a couple of players, haven't they, in the last uh, week or so. So I don't know how strong the other teams are, but it might not their confidence and it might, you know, they didn't perform as well as they might have done in the Euros. So just looking at that group, I think Sweden might might struggle more than we thought they would. You know who I'd like? I'm saying the Netherlands, just because I don't like the Netherlands. And also because it's quite possible that it doesn't happen because they are playing in Amer- in the US's group and they've got Portugal. And I would love, so love Portugal to get their own back for being beaten in the um, Euros. And also Portugal is just much more fun to watch than the Netherlands. So I feel like being spicy, I'm going to say France. I just think... I mean, it's probably not going to happen, but I, I just, I saw the one nothing against Australia and I'm sure there were reasons for it, but I'm choosing to ignore them and just go with the vibes. 
But that's also France, isn't it? France is like, can go out in the group and can win the whole thing. It's their men's team, it's their women's team. It's always what you think about France. It's like, they are just massively unpredictable. Yeah, so it's very, very dramatic. And I don't actually mean that in a good way on either side. So, yeah, um, let's see. So, um, oh, I should ask about like, what's the surprise pick to make it through to the round of 16 if I'm going to ask the reverse. So mine goes along with who I think is not going to make it. And the team that I think is going to surprisingly sneak in is Haiti. I just have a hunch feeling about them. They've got Melchie de Mornay, who's like one of the most exciting young players in the world. Um, I've listened to a lot of interviews with their players and it's clear that they have a really good team spirit. And, you know, I think they kind of surprised people in the CONCACAF tournament last summer as well. So I just think they could do it. And I think people are underestimating them um, pretty strongly. I was listening to, I don't remember what program earlier, and Leanne Sanderson was very, very harsh saying that they could potentially have like a 13-0 loss like Thailand in the last, um, in the Olympics, I think it was. So I was like, that is just disrespectful to me. I mean, I need to stick with my Portugal. So yeah, Portugal. There's probably some teams in Group G as well. That one's likely to be quite tight, I think, at the bottom. It's not clear that Italy will get through. And then you've got like Argentina or um, South Africa who could squeeze through and that would be a surprise. I mean, I think I'll just go with New Zealand just because I'm sticking on a theme and saying that I'd like to see them do well in a home tournament. Um, And uh, yeah, and, and to see Rhea um get her awards love it love it yeah if I'm going France then I obviously have to go Jamaica okay so next up I kind of already answered this question for me um but which non-Spurs player are you all most looking forward to watching I also basically already answered it it's Sophia Smith hands down um and it's funny because I always describe her as being scary good And Nike just came out with this commercial where she's like haunting an opponent. (laughs) Um, If you haven't seen it yet, it's great. And I feel like it really reflects her, her fear factor. I mean, I enjoyed watching Bomati during the Euros, but um, I don't know how Spain are going to do this year, obviously with all their uh, internal turmoil. And I don't, don't quite know how I feel about members, players coming back to the squad but yeah but Matty was certainly uh entertaining to watch during the Euros I mean I obviously always would say Bob Matty but I think there's I'm actually quite excited to see some of the US players who I don't see so regularly so Sophia Smith definitely I'm really happy that I'm going to be able to see Barbara Brand Banzer because she yeah. didn't appear in the AFCON because she was um failed agenda confirmation examination and so we weren't sure we were going to see her here so I'm a really happy that she will be here and also I don't get to see her because she plays in China so really happy to and excited to see her and there's um Colombian uh Linda um Calcedo who I I remember seeing clips of her but I haven't seen much of and again she's like one of those players that everyone's talking about it'd be fun to see her yeah, those are some great shouts. I don't have anything to add. I think you guys all listed all the players that, well, I mean, there's probably a few more bottom of the barrel scrapes out there, but I'll leave it for now. Um, I was going to say, can I just add like the entire yeah. Brazilian squad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. 
And this comes from like watching a lot of NWSL where Brazilian players have basically taken over. Yeah, it's great. And especially Marta. I mean, I am super happy that she is going to overtake Ronaldo in terms of um, appearances. And I really want her to score a goal so that she's properly overtaken Ronaldo in terms of the number of World Cups in which she has scored at. Yeah, Marta, Carolyn, Davinia. Oh, is um is Bernina going? I didn't even check their roster. I feel like she's been so fun to watch. So yeah, now let's move on to now let's move on to Spurs uh, in the World Cup. So this is a listener question: Which Spurs player do you think will have the best tournament? Kind of defi- depends how you classify best. I feel like Switzerland might go the furthest. I mean, Canada might go the furthest. Uh, no, I think Switzerland might go the furthest given the groups and the the brackets. And so then maybe, and so Luana Brula is most likely to play the most minutes and, you know, go the furthest. Other, oh, sorry, England might go further. And yeah, but in terms of minutes and also doing stuff for your team, the most difference maker is likely to be Beth England if she gets minutes. And so I would, love the answer to be Beth England both because it would be England and because it I think she could really do something and I don't know Rose is the outside bet isn't she I don't know that would be something I actually think it could be Drew Spence she's very important in her team and you know I don't think they're going to make it out of the group but I think that while they're in it she's going to be a pretty impactful player for them I guess if they do, then Becky Spencer has to have a great game. So that was going to be mine, Becky. But we don't know if she's had a weird year. We don't know if she's still got it. But if she's still got it, if Jamaica is doing Jamaica things, it's going to be Becky because she's going to have to keep a lot of goals out from the other teams in that group. Sean, I think I know who your answer is already. I'm well, you know better than I do then. <laughs> I thought you'd stick with the reimbursable bit. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I, I think it, I think in all possibility it will be one of those, you know, it won't be a, it's not likely to be a player who has a huge impact on the whole tournament just because of the players that we've got. I think it will be a player who really makes an impact for their nation as a, as a new nation. So, you know, it could be Ros and then we could all be, um, you know, having to, look at her anew ahead of the new season and in some ways but I just you know what I just hope that all of them go out there and have some fun and enjoy the football and don't get injured um because that's the best hope for us if they've had a good summer feel like they've um done well in whatever that respective team's notion of doing well is and come back ready for an all fired up for a new season I think that's that's the best outcome from a Spurs perspective yeah, we've got a few players as well who do gifable things so that they can be constantly um, used in the club's advertising and the run into the new season. Yeah, my dream is that um, Beth England plays for England and that they go all the way and lose to the US in the whatever. It's the fine. It would be the final, right? Yeah, the final. Because um, then get the media exposure uh beth england wins at life um and usa win the world cup all USA. right so, 
Oh no, we can't do that. We can't do that. It's not time yet. Um, yeah, yeah, get it off. We're not like not having that because I'm not singing God Save the King or something. This is actually great because I feel like Caroline and I have far fewer qualms about chanting USA and making bald eagle jokes than you guys probably do about singing God Save the King. So um, in a way, we've already won. No, I'm just joking. Um, yeah, so I just I'll just wrap this up by uh, asking you guys a question because I love one of the best things for me about the World Cup is uh, getting to discover new really good women soccer writers and podcasters and YouTubers and all that. Um, so I was hoping we could go around and just shout out um, your favorite piece of World Cup related media that you've seen so far. Well, I wanted to recommend the Diaspora United podcast and their new newsletter that they're doing throughout the World Cup, uh, just because I feel like it's good to have representation from the CONCACAF region in the media. Um, and also, obviously, a much more like grassroots, I think, personal lens than you get from some of the like traditional media. So yeah, I'm looking forward to their stuff. And it has yeah. friend of the pod, Andre. So true. They're phenomenal. Their stuff is phenomenal. Um, I've, I think that probably was also going to be mine as well. Now I feel like I have to pick a different one, but yeah. I mean, I, I've just thought, I mean, I don't like them because they're on YouTube, but I've just started listening to the YouTube previews from She Schools Bangers. And I really, I just think she's so great. And um, she has a really nice insight across in sort of global football. And so that's my, you know, if you can, some people like YouTube more than I do. That's good. Um, and the other thing I guess I should say is because I did one preview for them is like Impetus, which I did the Jamaica preview for, but they've got writers from all over the world writing previews for the different countries. And, you know, I'm obviously not the Jamaica expert, just my Spurs expertise has enough, but they have got people from the global South and writing about those teams. And so that is quite useful. I mean, I've not really engaged too much with it, to be fair. I'm just going to let the tournament wash over me and see what happens. Um, uh, some of us don't have a, as much headspace as others, clearly, for uh, just endless, endless football. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I will. I, well, it'd be inter- I, I may dip into some of your recommendations, though, and see what I think. I uh, did just want to shout out, uh, I have not actually read this person yet, uh, but they have been creating content in one way or another up until now. I saw that Jenna Scalacci is going to be writing for The Athletic during the World Cup. So uh, we're obviously all very excited about that. So I think that's since Caroline stole my previous answer, I will also um, also shout out Jenna instead. Did you did you listen to her uh, episode on the podcast, the, the Spurs podcast? I haven't. I've literally, my brain is bicycles. I haven't been thinking about anything other than bicycles. It's so embarrassing, Um, but it's on my list. I did. I did listen to that. There is, there is one clanger watch out for though. She gets the wrong C team. Um, uh, Apparently, apparently we beat Coventry in the, in the championship. Coventry, we're not at the championship at that point. It was Charlton. Um, But apart from that, it was, uh, it was a really interesting, uh, interview as, as it always is listening to Jenna so definitely recommend that um on Spurs play and other um podcast platforms as they say um yeah it'd be great to I mean it's great isn't it Jenna getting to do so much now and uh, she really is starting to to take over the world of uh, of, uh, of football from a Spurs perspective 
to be fair, I get Coventry and Charlton confused all the time as well. So they are constantly getting results. And I'm like, no, I thought they were last in the championship. And then I'm like, oh, right, right, right. There's two CTs. But well, you don't the live good in the news. UK and know that they're in totally different parts of the country. So yeah. it's fine if they're just C words, not that kind of C words. But, <laughs> but like for people who are English, they are not the same place. The good news is that Coventry changed their name before this upcoming season. So that won't happen anymore. Yeah, fair enough. She never does claim, though, as well. She talked about the Manchester United's... Uh, the first time we played Manchester United and she never does, you know, play up the fact that she scored the goal in that game, which, you know, she needs to, you know, we reminded, we talked about her, the influence of Ginola, but didn't actually kind of talk about how that played out. We remember, Jenna. We remember. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening and thanks for your questions. Uh, we did have one other listener question that we're not going to answer today about Vicky Jepson and whether or not she's still part of the coaching squad. Um, that'll be probably in the next pod since we're a bit short on time today. Uh, and in the meantime, I am looking forward to watching a lot of soccer with y'all in the coming weeks. So signing off, this is Abby and you've been listening to N17 Women. You can find us on all the usual platforms. Uh, although that is getting a little bit more complicated these days, this time goes on. Maybe someday we'll have to make an announcement that we're now on Threads or Blue Sky. But for today, it's just Twitter and all the other ones where you listen to podcasts. That's all. And come on, you Spurs. Mm-hmm.